Today is part four of our yep. Win at Home series. And I know we keep saying God wants you to win at home and the enemy wants you to lose. And the enemy is real and he is after you and your family. And so we don't have to be in a fearful way, but we want to be prepared. And I don't know about you, but I need help in, this, in all these areas. And so God is here to help us and show us his way. In part two, Pastor Josh talked about winning with your words. And last week, part three, if you missed it, was honoring an honoring home in a dishonoring world. And that was just such a good message. It's such a good reminder because our world is the opposite of honoring one another. So thank you for that, on, that reminder. Yeah, so if you got some notes, go ahead and pull them out. We're gonna jump into Proverbs 24, verse three, which is kind of our guiding uh, theme verse for this whole series, which is, says that it takes wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. Come on, look at it, say it again, wisdom. wisdom. It takes wisdom to have a good family and it takes understanding to make it strong. And so we've... We've said we've kind of defined wisdom as truth that is applied to your life. That there's a lot of people who are very knowledgeable. They know a lot. They don't do a lot, though. Wisdom is when we can take what we know and apply it to what we do. And so we've been, this whole series has been built around us going, what does God have to say about family? He's got a lot. He's got a lot to say about relationships and parenting and marriage and all of those things. And so we've been looking at scripture and saying, hey, what does it say about our words? What does it say about honor? What does it say about our intentionality? So today, we wanna dive into specifically into parenting. We know it's Mother's Day. We honor all of our mamas here. Those that are single moms um, as well, thank you so much for all that you do. And we're gonna talk about uh, seasons. We, we titled this message, Winning Seasons. And that is because oftentimes in parenting, we can feel like we're in losing seasons. We feel like we're losing in a lot of things, but how do we win in the seasons? And knowing that parenting is all about seasons. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says this, for everything there is a season. There's a season for everything and every activity that is under heaven. And so uh, the way that I like to uh, describe parenting is parenting is based off of the law of harvest. The law of harvest understands seasons. If you're a farmer in here, you would understand this completely. If you know someone who's a farmer, there are seasons that you have to do things in certain times. There's seasons you have to plant. If you don't plant in this season, you miss it. Um, there's seasons of, of harvest. You have to harvest it soon enough in a certain time. And the same is with parenting. Um, but oftentimes people look at parenting more like a, a, a final exam and you're like cramming for that final exam. How many of y'all, let, let me just find out who those people are in here. How many of you were, when it was test time, the night before, you finally opened your book and started studying like all that you could up to the moment, and then you did everything in that test, and then it all leaked out after? Anybody? You're just done. You're like, I don't even know what test I took. I just did enough to get the test done. You can't do that with parenting, though. Parenting is not... Cram it, cram it, cram it, cram it. Oh, there's 17. Oh, no. Let me go, let me go, let me go. Let me cram as much as I can. Doesn't work that way. It is the law of the harvest. You've got a, there's sowing seasons, there's planting seasons. You got to plan for it. Um, and you got to know what season that you are in. And so um, whether you know this or not, your children move from one season to the next season to the next season. And watch this. And they don't tell you. You don't know when it happens. You just know that it happens. The problem is we as parents don't change with the seasons. You can't be in a spring season and still being parenting like a winter. You can't do that. So today we thought we'd get super practical, go into God's word, see what his wisdom has to say about what does it look like in the zero to five years, the five to 12 years, the 12 to 18 years, 
and then the get out of my house years, all those years. Come on, somebody. How many are you waiting for those days, all right? Uh, which is funny, yesterday we, we, we parent three teenagers. Uh, we have a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, an 18-year-old. Our oldest son graduated two days ago. Um, he's done. He's a graduate. He's finished. He's excited. Years, years back, Josiah, Josiah's our oldest. He was crying at the table, and Lindsay's like, what's wrong? And she's like, and he goes, Dad said I had to leave after I graduate. <laughs> like, he felt like the day after he graduated, he was like, peace out. See ya. Like, we're like, so I just let y'all know, Sia's leaving tomorrow. Um, so y'all be praying for him. He doesn't know where he's going, and he needs a, and he needs a job. Um, so. But in reality, our rule is if you work or in school, you can stay home. Yeah. yeah but after some point, you do have to go. But yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. have to leave tomorrow. So. So anyways, if you see Sia at 11.30, rag him. Okay, ask, ask him where he's going. Okay. All right, so let's talk about the four seasons, babe. Kick First, us off. Zero to five is the discipline season. If you have kids, raise your hand though. If you are in zero to five, and you may have a few, this is the discipline season. They're this all is the, the tired hands. They don't even have enough strength to raise their hand. Like I never realized the like what lack of sleep like that would feel like. Right? <laughs> um, it's a level I, I was not prepared for because when you were pregnant. For your first one, you were so excited. You remember everything. You, the anticipation was just so big. I think if we knew what awaited us, maybe we wouldn't have been so excited because it is wonderful and they're amazing, but it is hard. And at this stage, zero to five, you were bathing them. You were changing them. You were wiping them. You were feeding them. You were doing absolutely everything. You were in absolute control of everything. You, they could not survive, especially in those first, that year or two without you. And so that is just a really strong discipline season. Also in this season, they are learning that consequences, we have consequences for our actions, whether it's good or bad. This is a season where they're learning that. Yeah, so you're teaching them everything. Teach them how to walk, how to talk, how to, how to all that. And so God's word says, let's read, let's read what his word says in Proverbs 13, 24. A refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by? If your children are in the room with them, say that to them as we say this. Love your children by? Disciplining them. Discipline. How many of y'all, their, your parents said, this hurts me more than it hurts you? And you're like, well, turn over and now let me see. <laughs> Anybody here? Like, discipline is a form of love. Um, correction is a form of love. Uh, we, we see this in, in scripture all throughout it. But here's why it's so important for us to discipline our children. And maybe you know people who are like, I don't want to discipline my kids. You know, I just want to be friends with them. Um, listen, that's not going to go well for you. Here's what I know. You, if you want to be their friend later, you've got to parent them today, okay? And, and, and when it comes to discipline, watch this. There's going to be a choice. Either you get to discipline them or the world will. Someone's going to discipline them. Watch this, because if you don't discipline them, their teachers will with failing grades. Their principals will with expulsions. The, a police officer will with some jail time. A judge will with some prison time. I mean, no, they're going to get disciplined, you and I get the choice on whether we get to be the ones that discipline them to train them and teach them uh, right and wrong and, and the consequences that come with it. And so in our house, we always you know, would talk when we were in these younger years about first-time obedience. Slow obedience is no obedience. Um, and, and some people you know, have all different forms of it. Some count, you know, when I get to three, one, 
Two, I've been at Walmart, you know, when that's happening. You got the counters, the parents. I've been on the other aisle, like, two, and I want to shout, three! Like, like, how many of y'all wanted to beat a child for another parent? Like, just let, give me two minutes with them. I got them. Okay, like, you know. Um, but here's the reason why first-time obedience is such a big deal. Listen, because if they're in the middle of the street, you don't have time to count. One, boom. <laughs> Like, they need to learn that in this moment, like, if mom says, dad says, like, it's, it's a no. And they're going to push back because we all have sinful, you know, selfish natures, and there's going to be that rub that, that comes within that. But the reason why we're doing this is because we're teaching them that in obeying us, you're learning how to obey God. Because, by the way, God disciplines. Yes. Don't believe me? Hebrews 12, 6. Because the Lord... What's that word? Discipline. Who does he discipline? So, hey, by the way, if God is disciplining you right now, he loves you. I mean, I'm just like, God loves me so much right now. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So just realizing, like, we are, we're filling in that role of God for a little bit in those first five years of them learning about authority and learning about all these things. So, we're, we're teaching them obedience and we're teaching them. And so it's hard. It's a very challenging season for sure. It's physically exhausting. It's all of those things. But in our home, I'm gonna just give you the three. Our homes, you get disciplined if you, if you break any of these three things. Uh, if you are disobedient, if you're dishonest, or if you're disrespectful. It's the three Ds. The three Ds. Disobedient, dishonest, disrespectful. You're, any of those three, no matter what age you are, is coming down. All right, uh, it's, and it's so important for there to be that because how many know, because the opposite of that is what God desires. God ob- desires obedience, honesty, and he desires respect, uh, integrity, people that live in, with integrity. We're teaching so, them a God that they can't see, right? They can see us, right? So with this, we're teaching them to he- be able to hear a God that they can't physically see in the way that just modeling that for them. Because if they can't obey you, that's what I'm trying to say. If they can't obey you, how will they obey a God that they can't see? Yeah, that's good. So what your child needs most from you in this season is care. And I know especially as moms, it's easy to physically care for them. But what we can struggle with is caring for ourselves, right? That we're spending time with Jesus, that we're getting alone with him. Because you can't give out, of, they say, out of an empty cup, right? You, you've got nothing left to give. So that... You get a few moments alone, you get a few hours alone, whatever you can scrounge. Maybe you have to lock yourself in the the bathroom. But even then, (laughs) if you're there in this stage, you're not alone because fingers come up through the door or like they're, Mom, can I have a snack? Where's your dad? I just passed him. Well, can you ask him for one? Like, I'll never, ever understand that. You're literally like sleeping or almost dying and they're still asking you for something. But, you know, it's part of the job. (laughs) But... Make sure you, and I know it's hard, that you are caring for yourself. And remember that it's just a season. You blink and it's over. You'll get that sleep back maybe, but um, like at, at some point when they, they're out of the house. In but, heaven. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. Um, but that's saying the days are long, but the years are short. It really is true. So like just keep pushing through. Keep saying no. Keep saying stop taking that out of your mouth as many times as you need to. And... The biggest thing, though, and I know we've said this before in marriage um, sessions, not sessions, series, series, thank you, words are hard, Uh, (laughs) 
It's easy to be child-centered, right? They take all of your time because they need things. That's what's supposed to happen. But that can be our natural focus. What we have to do is keep fighting that our marriage stays Christ-centered. Um, because he was, your, your spouse was first before the children. So keep your marriage first. Keep God, keep God first, marriage second. Children, just keeping those in priorities will help as you discipline and parent. That is probably the biggest counseling thing that we do with most marriage most marriage, marriages is that a husband feels that the mom puts the children above them. And so just rem- remembering, hey, I'm a wife before I'm a mother. So like when I come home, I kiss my wife before I hug my kids. As a reminder to my boys, it ain't about you. you you're going to leave at some point. She's with me. Here's what happens, because, because a home that's child-centered, when they leave, they don't know how to relate, because they've lived their whole life around their kids. And so, Lindsay and I have no problems leaving our kids. Um, and, like, we really don't. Like, I'm reminded, I remind them all the time, like, it's just us. Like, I love you, you're temporary, she's permanent. Like, I'll always be your father, but like, you're gonna go on, have your own family, like, this is mine right here. And so- We always come um, back. We prioritize, we, <laughs> we don't always want to come back, but we do, we do always come back. We do love back. them a lot. Okay, just... uh, we love them from a distance. And so, all right, all let's, right, talk, about, let, let's talk about the next season. Uh, my boys aren't here right now, so. <laughs> um, five to 12 year olds, that is the training season. So we come out of the discipline season, we go into the training season. All right, who's got five to 12 year olds? Five to 12 year olds, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, all right, there's a number of you here. Five to 12 year olds, this is the training season. How many of y'all remember um, in the 1996, for those that may, if you, you may not, um, <laughs> I'm starting to think about who's my demographic here that I'm talking to. 1996 Olympics was held in Atlanta. There was the American women's gymnastics team. It was led by a, a, a girl named Carrie Shrug. Shrug. Um, y'all remember her? Y'all remember this girl right here? They were amazing on the floor routine. They were amazing on the balance beam. When they got to the vault, uh, the team was bombing. And her first attempt that she did, she actually hurt her ankle pretty severely in that. Uh, you get two attempts on it. And, uh, and sure enough, she could have bowed out and it was over, but she pressed through, went through the, 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 the second routine and um, did it masterfully, landed on one leg. I mean, like, how many of y'all remember this day? Y'all remember this video? No, it's wild stuff. Um, and, and because of that, she landed it, stuck it. They won, they won, it was the first time American women ever won gold in, as a gymnast. Um, and then after that, they started dominating after that. It became a really, really big deal. Reason I share this story is because a reporter came up to Carrie and said, like, how were you able to do this? I mean, like, you literally had a broken ankle. How in the world could you push through the pain and all this? And this is what she said. I trained for this. I trained for this. It's the exact same reason police officers run into, you know, the, 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 the issue and don't run away from it. Fire department run into it. Why? Because I trained for this. Watch this. As parents, that's our role for our children, to train them for it. Train, how many know we need to tell them, you're going to face some stuff. Let me train you for it. Let me train you for what happens when things come your way. Let me train you what happens when a stranger comes up to you. Let me train you. Why? Because when they get into that moment, because there's going to come a moment, they want to be able to say, I trained for this. And so 5 to 12-year-olds is all about us training them. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says it this way. 
Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And train up is an action word, right? You have to be a part. You have to do it. It's not passive. We have to help train them. Because the skills that you want them to have in public, it's made in private, right? It, that's how it's built. You ever, t- like, went somewhere and your kids are like, somebody has told you, your kids are so um, respectful and kind. And you're like, thank God, because at home it's been rough, you know? But it's like, hey, at least in public, they're, they're, they're showing it. That's our goal, right? And it's some, even the, like, pick up their clothes off the floor. I feel like I'll be saying that till they're not in the house anymore. But maybe their future wife will thank me because maybe when they leave, they'll finally, like, grasp that. But, like, that age, we're still training. We're still doing it. Because, and also, these are the years that we explain the why behind the what. Right? Like, at first, it's just no, 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 no. And then as they get a little bit older, we start explaining why. This is why we do this. Because we want you to, you know, blank, whatever those things are. And I know just like an athlete trains to win a medal, we have a responsibility to do some training with our children. And so I know that Josh was good at, um, like, making sure the boys had a firm handshake when they shook somebody's hand, when they talked to somebody that we looked them in the eye, and when they were younger, that they wouldn't interrupt us if they needed something, they'd hold our hand if we were talking. Like, just the simple training for life, right? And the spiritual things, too, that we need to train, that we show them how to read the Bible, that we show them how to connect with God, that we show them how to pray and to tithe. And on the word of tithing, we have a video for y'all to see. If you've been here a really long time, you've definitely seen this video, but in honor of Josiah graduating, we feel like we would embarrass him one more time and show this old video about tithing. My name is Josiah Bell. Pastor Josh is my dad. Today I'm going to show you what I'm learning about money. How to do things to around my house to earn money. When I'm all finished, I get a dollar. See, that's 10 dimes. See, that's one dollar. The next part is what I want to show you. I put one dime in here, and that's for God. This one I save, and that's for a weekend. I put the rest in here, and I do whatever I want with these. That's what I do is buy money, and that's real simple. You can do it. Two. First one to God, save the other one, spend the rest. It's a lot easier as I imagine portfolio in the middle of a tough economic recession. That's just my opinion. If I can do it, you can do it too. Yep, memory lane. He still buys video games. And uh, my favorite part was the utter one and recession. Hey, we can still learn those principles. Those are great principles to live by. All right, why are these years so important? Let me tell you why 12 to 18-year-old is so radically important for us, specifically in the spiritual uh, area of their life. And that is, let me show you a statistic. This is a crazy statistic. 43% of Americans who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior do so before the age of 13. Uh, And 64% of them made commitments to Christ before their 18th birthday. I mean, no, what we do in OSC Kids and OSC Youth is foundational for their walk with Jesus. And it's important for you and I to do that. All of my my boys um, said yes to Jesus in these, these age brackets. And so this is why we invest so much money, this is why we invest so much resources, why we invest so much of our, of our people 
into these age groups because this is so huge. These are foundational years because here's the deal. Ultimately, I want them leaving our house, and I'm sure you do, loving Jesus. Yes. I mean, no, if, if that's the only thing they walk out of our house with, we've won. Yes. We have won. And so uh, what do they need from us in this years? Uh, what your child needs most in this season is consistency. They need consistency. Uh, like I said earlier, if you want to be a friend later, you've got to be a parent today. And what I mean by consistency is this. You've got to fight for that heart. You've got to fight for the heart, fight for the heart, fight for the heart. Because here's the deal. You're going to want the heart when they're teenagers. You can fight for behavior all you want by policing behavior and coaching behavior. No, don't do that. I said so, blah, blah, blah. You can keep doing that over and over and over again. But if you're not fighting for the heart, you're not fighting for why, we, why do we live this way? And it's so much easier um, to fight for behavior, way easier, because we can use fear to do it, um, because you're going to get punished, because I'm going to spank you, because, I'm gonna, because I said so. And those are ways to get behavior changed, but the problem is you don't change heart, and that's the biggest thing you're going after, is the heart. And that just takes a whole lot more. I remember when you know, each of our sons have gone through seasons where it was harder for them and, and there was more discipline that was happening. And I remember Lindsay would call me and she'd just be like, I've been doing this for an hour with him um, because we're having conversations and it's not just a quick, you know, this, like we're having conversations, talking through this, coaching and, and teaching and trying to get to the heart. And it's a challenge and it's tiresome and it's exhausting. And I don't know if y'all have this, most of the discipline happens like late at night when you're exhausted. Like, I'm just done, it would just be easier. So understanding that you need to be, fighting for the heart is not for the faint of heart. You've got to, you've got to really push through, which actually leads us into the next one, which is really where you're going to fight for the heart the most. Yep, it's the 12 through 18 years. So raise your hand if you've got a child in that, that age bracket. Teenage years, This parents. is, you move from training to coaching, to coaching. And when I think about a good coach, I think about someone who's stern, they're going to show you some things, but they're also encouraging, right? Like I think that makes up a really great coach and that's what we need to do for our children. And so I don't know about your kids, but I think when they hit about middle school around that time, they think that they know everything, right? And that you know absolutely nothing and you know like <laughs> nothing about anything and you have never been that age before. And I know like every generation things change and it's not exactly the same, but like a lot of it is, but they think you know absolutely nothing, but everything is changing in them too. The way they look, they think, they act, they feel they are growing into themselves and who, who God's making them to be. So it is a really, we throw in kid, uh, school and social media and pressures. Like it is a really rough time, right? If we're all going to be honest, middle school, high school can be really, really tough. It can also be really, really great, but it can be, it has its moments of um, being tough. And so they're fighting for independence. You're trying to coach them. They don't want to be coached. You ever tried coaching somebody that didn't want to be coached? It is difficult, but... <laughs> They're battling insecurities and hormones. There's just so much at play, but we want to help be their coach. And there's one moment that we get in the Bible of when Jesus was in this age bracket. He was born, then he goes to 30. But if you know what I'm talking about, right in the middle, Jesus was 12. And his parents did what? They lost him. He knew where he was, but they didn't know where he was. So if you're ever, like, not too sure about your parenting skills, just be reminded you did not leave your children for three days and not know where they were. So you're doing, you're doing a great job. 
But we have that little time in the Bible that uh, Pastor Josh is going to talk about. Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God, and favor in man. So he grew, he grew intellectually, he grew physically, he grew relationally, and he grew spiritually. And these are the four areas that we want to really help uh, coach our children in. So intellectually, like how to be wise with money, as you saw a little, that video was a fun video that we did, but we actually do teach our boys that principle of the 10, 10, 80 principle of saving 10, tithing 10, my boys tithe, my boys save, um, and my boys spend. And, um, but they know how to, how to do that, all, all, you know, coaching them through homework, coaching them through time management, um, how to set alarms, how to wake themselves up, how to make food, how to get things, but also understanding their gifts. You know, as our boys are in teenage years, we're like trying to help them develop, like, what are you passionate about? What do you love? How are you wired? Like, and each one of them are very uniquely different. Some like things more than others. And so um, trying to help them with that physically. Um, yet again, we have boys, so I'm trying to coach my sons right now in like their appearance, and you got to take showers, and you do have to brush your teeth, and you do need to put on deodorant. Um, come on, somebody, like you, like brother stank, and so you gotta you gotta take care of yourself. But also in the area of physical, like we're trying to also teach them like sexual purity, how to how to how to be sexually pure. We're teaching them. Um, like their hygienes and what, what to eat and what not to eat and how they should be taking care of their bodies, relationally, talking a lot about friendships. There's a lot of coaching, a lot of coaching around friendships. And I'm gonna tell you right now, this is so huge here because 12 to 18 is when their friends' voices are louder than your voices. So listen, I, I would drive my boys to school all the time before Josiah was driving, and I prayed every single day. And here's the prayer. My boys could tell you. My prayer for them every single day was, bad company corrupts good morals. God, surround them around godly friends. Surround them around godly friends. I'd tell my boys, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Like, we had this conversation all of the time. Um, so uh, there was a lot of coaching around friendship, coaching around dating, um, coaching around bullying, all my boys got bullied in different uh, times of their life at school. Um, and, and how do you handle a bully? And, and how do you handle this? And um, so we talked through all of those things. Apologizing. How I many know you got to teach your kids how to apologize? Um, and then, of course, spiritually, we, you know, discipling them to, to know God, discipling them on how to read the Bible, hear God, um, you know, all those things. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, here's the greatest desire. I want God to correct my kids more than me. That's my desire. I want God to teach my kids more than me. And, and uh, I want him to use me to, to help them that, but that's what we desire more than anything. So there's something that kids, teenagers need the most from parents in this season, and what is it? That's connection. They need connection from you. And a lot of times, especially in this season, they may even say, I don't need you, I don't want you, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And you can pull away. That's like the natural like tendency. But they honestly need you to keep pressing in. And not in an overbearing way, but being there for them and not quitting. You know, like not continuing to pursue them and keep showing it. Keep saying it. Keep, don't, don't stop because they're going to say they don't need you. But that's the time that they really, really do. There's just so much going on that they're like internally probably fighting. So don't give up. And what they need with connection is constant conversations. And I don't know about you, but the times you think you're going to have like a really great conversation with them, like on the way home from school or at dinner time, sometimes there's not much that comes out. It's usually like at 
11.30 p.m. that they are ready to like share their heart and Shout you're ready to go to bed, but mm -hmm. just don't um, engage them in those times. Listen more than you're talking, like asking questions. And I know, especially as moms, like you want to lecture and there's the times for correcting, but when they're sharing their heart, let them share their heart and connect with them in those ways and be a safe place for them that they can trust you with what they say, that they feel um, safe with you. So we definitely want to provide those environments for them. Asking them, how do you feel about that? And I know for boys, it may be hard for them to answer that question, but just keep asking. And in the book for parents only, it has this quote. This is funny, but let me read it. Whatever you do, don't freak out in front of your teenager. Definition of freaking out is any strong emotion. <laughs> so I know it's kind of funny, and especially I will be the first to admit that is something I uh, I'm still working on. I've become a lot better at. I know with boys, like, I'm not even, like, overreacting. I'm just saying something. They're like, calm down. And I'm like, I'm calm. Like, I don't know if you want to see me get upset, but, like, I am calm. So I know I still can struggle with that, but that we don't overreact, right? Because if we do, they're not going to say something to us because they're not going to feel, I guess, safe to say it. But we can keep praying for help in that. And just a practical thing that we do as a family at dinner time, because just the question of how was your day sometimes just doesn't go very far, but we can ask highs and lows. What's your high? For, give me one high for the day and one low for the day. And they want to like sometimes get out of it quick. Like, what's your low school? No, like you got to explain that one a little bit more, but that's just something practical that we do. It's true. All right, let me give you another just kind of tip for parenting teenagers. Don't bail, let them fail. Um, what I mean by that is, uh, I don't know if y'all are, I'm a natural born fixer. I love to fix situations. I love to fix things. Um, but what I've learned in parenting sons, now teenage sons, is bailing my sons out of their failures hurts them more than helps them. So don't, don't, don't bail them out of that. I, one of the things I'll tell my boys all the time is I'm never going to rob you of the opportunity to learn a lesson. So I shared this actually in the first week of, you know, we were coaching and training our kids how to make their own lunches for school. Like, we're not going to make your lunch anymore. Like, you won't make your own lunch. And one of my sons did not make his lunch, forgot his lunch, and, and went off to school and called and was like, I forgot my lunch. I'm never going to rob him of the opportunity to learn a lesson. <laughs> so he didn't eat. Um, and he came home hungry. Um, but he now makes his lunch for school. And, and what I, I think I've learned more and more, and yet again, being a youth pastor for a lot of years and then discipling a lot of young adults was watching parents bail their kids out of all of their bad decisions. And then what happens whenever they become adults? You got to keep bailing them out of their bad decisions and eventually maybe even bailing them out of jail. And so learning to come to the place, and yet again, there's grace and all of this that's there. And it, there are times where we where we, we do help them and do step in. But here was my biggest, my biggest heart with all this was, I would rather my sons fail in my house when it's a safe environment yes. than to have them fail for the first time outside of my home when it's an unsafe environment. That's right. That's right. And so let them, letting them learn how to make bad decisions and, and walk through the consequences of that. And um, so keeping them from failing may feel good in the moment, but they suffer later. So it's yet again just kind of that, that place of that. And then the last one is just get interested in what, the, what interests them. Um, like uh, all my boys were in sports in different ways, and so I coached all my sons. 
Now, it, it's good that I actually enjoy sports as well, but um, I love coaching all my sons. I love being involved in that. But figuring out what they like and what they love and then just getting engaged in that and, and uh, being with them. My son literally asked me yesterday, Dad, would you come play basketball with me? Like, my back was killing me yesterday. Um, but I still beat him. And so... <laughs> Just goes back to yes, last, last week's message. They, they, they ain't going to win. Okay, I'm going I'm to give it my all. Uh, and I took a lot of ibuprofen after. Okay? So, 41's getting to me. All right. Um, let's talk about these last years, and we'll wrap it up. All right. The last or 18-plus years, is, if that is you, if you have any children 18-plus, can you raise your hand? Let us see you. Let's go. You can give let's us some go. wisdom because we are just entering that stage right now. Our, like we said, our oldest is Come 18. Come meet with us after, please. Yeah. All give of us your people. wisdom. Uh, this is the friendship stage. So this is what you've been wanting all this time. This is what you're working towards is the friendship season. We want children who want to be with us when they get older and they're grown, right? When they don't have to, when they're not forced to. That is our goal. We want children who want to be with us. And I know Josh's family, his extended family, that's what they do. And I, I even benefit from the relationships that they've built and stayed. And so we want our children to want to be with us. So that's our goal and so um, the task of parenting, you're not done at this stage, but it obviously changes, right? It, it moves on. It's, goes, it's no longer proactive involvement, but it's patient, patient availability. I said that twice because we have to be patient because we may think like they have some wisdom that I have that they need to hear, like how they don't wanna miss out. I see what's gonna happen with them and I need to say something, but this is the stage where you're patient and you hold on and you wait for that because unsolicited advice to adult children can often feel like criticism. Maybe like think about yourself when you were that age at 18 and you were like ready to go and you were getting all this unsolicited advice, but maybe you wanted it later, right? You wanted it when you asked for it. So just be patient and be available because again, that relationship, you did all the things, you did all the things at the beginning, you controlled, you, we move from controlling absolutely everything they do to like having no control about anything. And thankfully it's not super quick, but 18 years does feel like quick, but you've done your part. You're entrusting them to God and you're patiently waiting for when they need you. So what does your young adult need most from you in this season is confidence. They need confidence. However much they will tell you like, I got it, I can do this, I can do this on my own. There's still insecurities that's inside of them that doesn't know if they could go out on their own. And I'm reminded of the scripture, Matthew 3, when Jesus was about to start his ministry and go and do the things really that God had called him to do. The father had a moment with him. It was after his baptism. And the father speaks to him. And the father says, this is, it says a voice from heaven says, and speaks this over Jesus, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased before Jesus ever started ministry, before Jesus ever really went out and started doing anything outside of his hometown, he got named, claimed, and blessed by his father. And um, this happened yesterday for us with our son. Uh, we had an opportunity to sit around with about 20 or 30 of his friends and family, and we honored him and spoke life over him and, um, and then just spoke a blessing over him. The greatest thing that I did, I did yesterday, which um, I've been preparing for this for five years, was um, one of the greatest gifts I felt like I could give my son is I gave my son my Bible. Um, I've been journaling in it for five years. 
And, uh, and so yesterday I got to have the moment I've been waiting for for five years, which was to say, okay, now you're, you're entering into adulthood. I wanna give you the greatest thing that ever guided my life. Um, and so all throughout these five years, I've been putting notes in there for him um, and just pointing him to Jesus. Cause ultimately that's the greatest desire I want is for him to, to know Jesus. Uh, I, I didn't always have that in a lot of ways where there was stability and, and then confidence. I remember when I stepped into 18, man, just the instability to have the confidence to know that you're back. And so parents, like whether your children are loving the Lord or not loving the Lord, uh, just to have the confidence to know that you're there for them, whatever it is. Maybe you don't approve of their behavior right now, but here's what I know. If you train them in the ways of the Lord, when they're old, when they're old, it's important for us to know when they're old. Sometimes, hopefully, when, I don't know when old is. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean? I don't know if it's like 25, 35, or 55. But when they're old, they will come back and realize, like, I had parents that really loved me. I had parents that really believed in me. I had parents that were really, and, and whether, and I, and I know, I, there are some of you that are in here, you're like, I wish I would have heard this 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Um, and just to know there's such grace that's there Lindsay and I are by no means perfect parents. We've done so many things wrong. There's so many things I wish I could have a rewind button and a whiteout in my parenting. Um, but here's what I know. God loves my children more than me. And he loves them more than you. And, and so um, Galatians 6 gives us some encouragement today. I'm going to have Lindsay read it. And we're going we're gonna to wrap up today. So we've been talking about seasons, right? So if it's a good season, great. If you're in a rough season, this is encouragement for you. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. That's the key, right? We can't give up. We have to keep parenting. We have to keep pushing through. We, have, we can't quit. We can't stop. We can't disengage. We, can't, we can get weary but of it, but don't get weary in it. Like keep pushing on. Don't stop fighting for the heart. There is a, uh, is a harvest if you don't quit. And when you feel like it's the harsh, cold winter months, just remember spring's around the corner. No season lasts forever. It can feel like forever, but no season absolutely lasts forever. It will change at some point. And you keep sowing and you keep water, watering and you keep fertilizing, protecting your crop. And you wait as farmers do and you wait and you wait for that harvest because it is coming. And a good tip is don't grade your parenting until the crop is in, right? Because the, the ground can look harsh. It can look, um, there's, it's no water. Um, it can look like it's dying, but it's not, right? Because you're going to keep after your garden. You're going to keep after your crop. So don't grade it. Don't look at somebody else of where they're at in their season with their child. Yeah. Everybody is different. Everybody goes through different seasons, but just don't quit fighting for the heart and don't give up in, in whatever on. season you're in. So here's our last, our last notes, if you're taking notes, and that is that no matter what season you're in in parenting, you need to understand the season, you need to embrace the season, and you need to enjoy the season. Because after all, it's just a season. And so seasons come and seasons go, but you wanna enjoy it and embrace it. Whatever season God has you in, whether you're in the parenting season or the grandparenting season, we know y'all enjoyed a whole lot more. Okay, but um, whatever it is, like just, just embrace it, enjoy it, understand it, do your best in it. How many of you are grateful for the grace of God in moments where you don't know what to do? I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful.
We want, we want to end today, and I, I, want, to, I want to pray over our mothers um, and, and pray a blessing over them. And I want to pray over our, even those that are parents and grandparents as well. We want to bless your home today. And so if you are a mother, would you stand? Would you stand? Mothers, grandmothers, spiritual mothers, it don't matter. Just stand. Just stand. I'm going to ask Lindsay to pray over you. And then I'm going to pray over our, our families, and we'll, we'll close our service today. God, I thank you for every woman here. Father, they are so precious to you, Father, and that they just know that you see, God. You see all the things that they go through, the hardships, the tears, God, and the celebrations that they they have, God, that I just pray that you give them, just encourage them today, that they will walk out feeling encouraged and loved and cared for by you, Father that what they're doing is so, so important, that they would not get weary in well-doing, that they would keep going, Father, that they um, have these precious children that they're raising, God, that they would present back to you. And I just pray for everyone who is just struggling today, God, just keep um, encouraging their hearts, God, that they would feel loved by you and known by you and seen, God, that every mother here walks out feeling seen. And um, just thank you for everything that she does to make her home the place that it is and to um, love you with all of their hearts in Jesus' name.